Good morning, church. Hope all of you are doing well. I have an announcement to make, and that is this week I went to the gym. Huh? Yes. That's right. I did it, and I'm not lying. Um, So I went to the gym, and um, it was the first time I'd been quite a long time, if I'm just honest. (laughs) But every every month, uh, out of our checking account, $22 uh, disappears for me to be a member uh, of this gym. And uh, I I typically go about about once a month. I know you can tell. Thank you. Please hold your applause, right? Um, so I go, I go to the gym once a month. And so the, the best that I can figure it, every time I walk through the doors of 24-hour fitness, the best gym in town, uh, it costs me $22. I should just pay as I go, right? $4 to go once whenever I want or $22 a month and go once a month, right? And Amy is up here saying amen to that, right? Um, and, and so, but if the, the thing is, if someone were to ask me, hey, Andy, do you work out? I'd be like, Psh, yeah, I work out, you know? I'm a member right over there, 24-hour fitness, right? Of course I work out, right? And um, I, I just have this feeling that um, sometimes you and I, are exactly the same way, only, only with our Bibles, right? And, and so our Bibles are sitting there, and, and we're, we have them right on the bookshelf. We have them next to the, on the nightstand next to our bed. Uh, but reality is, we may only pick it up about once a month. But if somebody were to say to you, hey, do you read your Bible? You'd be like, Psh, yeah, I read my Bible, Right? And so right at the first of the year, what I thought would be a great thing for us to do is to, is to set, um, set into this series, but which is not just a series, it's actually an experience, and we're calling it New Through 30. So for the next 30 days, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna challenge you and I'm gonna commit to, to read with you the entire New Testament in just 30 days. This is what we like to call a Bible reading blitz, right? I mean, this is not like focus on a couple of verses and let it really sink in. This is, this is let's read a huge chunk of scripture at a time in order to catch the overall arc or the overall narrative of what God is doing in the scriptures in the New Testament. And so it's gonna be really, really exciting, and I'm, I'm really um, excited about it as we embark on this kind of adventure together, right? So this is the very first week, and don't worry, you're not already behind your reading, okay? Uh, we're going to start reading tomorrow, uh, but it's some really, really cool stuff uh, of what we're going to do over the, next cor- over the course of the next 30 days, because the reality is, is that even though we say we work out, even though we say we read our Bibles, if we're really just honest, my gym bag is collecting dust in the closet, and there's a pretty good chance that maybe your Bible is collecting dust on the bookshelf. And so over the course of the next 30 days, we want to take those Bibles off the shelf and we want to begin to open them and see what God has for us as we embark on this experience together. Are you guys excited about it? Uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to, bring, I'm going to give you a, like all the nuts and bolts and the logistics at, towards the end of our, seri- or towards the end of our um, uh, message today and our service today. Um, but I also want to just kind of uh, give you a little bit of heart and vision behind why 
are we doing this? Why in the world would we try to tackle the entire New Testament in 30 days? And, and, and let me tell you just a little bit of story um, from my own life and, and probably from a lot of our lives is not only do we um, really try hard uh, to work out but probably don't work out very much and our, begot- our bodies begin to show it, right? And we kind of gain those, those holiday pounds. I saw this quote this week which I thought was fantastic. He, the quote said this, most people are worried about what they eat between... Uh, Christmas and New Year's, but in reality, we should be worried about what we eat between New Year's and Christmas. Some of you are going to catch on to that a little bit later on, and you're going to like, oh, right, you know, right? And so here's the reality. If we want to whip ourselves back into shape physically, a lot of times it's really helpful to go on a diet and a workout blitz, right? Can anyone say Atkins and P90X? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you, you go on a diet and then you go on this workout blitz in order to get yourself whipped back into shape. Now, let's all just be really, really honest. You're not going to do P90X every day for the rest of your life, right? The purpose of P90X is to help form and shape your life from that point on. So we go on these kind of blitzes uh, in order to form and shape our lives right now. Let's be honest. You're not going to be on a diet for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. Maybe you've done really, really well, but it is not going to be sustainable. But we go on the diet in order to educate ourselves about what kind of food is good to eat so that we can have a lifestyle change on the other side of the diet. Anyone say amen, right? Weight Watchers, Atkins, whatever it is for you, that diet is not a a whole lifestyle change, or it's not going to be your life, that diet, but rather it's going to lead to a lifestyle change. Now, similarly, we are not going to read entire chunks of the New Testament in one day, for every day for the rest of your life. But our goal is, is that we do, as we read this Bible blitz, as we go on this Bible blitz, is going to begin to help us and form and shape us and actually begin to raise the priority of God's word in our lives so that as we open up the scriptures more than that that uh, couple times a week or that once a month or every few days as we open up the God's word uh, every single day and we read a portion of it, a big portion of it our hope and our goal is that it will lead you to appreciate the word of God in your life and raise the priority of God in your life all right so that's our goal that's our hope and that's our vision is that this will lead to a change of lifestyle for you so that you can look back and you can say, went new through 30 at the beginning of 2011, that's when I learned the priority of God's word in my life. Now, uh, so that's really our hope and our goal is, is by doing that, is to elevate the priority of God's word in our life. And my prayer has been is that as you open up scripture and as you follow through on this, this reading plan, is that God would give you hope. Many of you are looking for direction. My prayer has been that God would reveal that to you. Many of you in your life, your life is chaos right now. And what you need is the peace of God. And I am praying that he will provide you the peace of God that you have yet to experience. Or this this measure of contentment. Whatever it is for you, I am asking and I am praying that God would provide that for you as you open your heart up to God's word and reading it uh, as a discipline and and, uh, seeing all the benefits of it. Right? This next 30 days has the potential to change Emmaus Road forever and change you forever if we'll do it.
And now I know what you think. Since I'm the pastor, I'm already a Bible reading champion, right? Maybe some of you, let me, let me bring you a little bit more towards reality. A lot of the sermon series that we do are so that I can come up and preach to myself and you all listen, right? In other words, I'm not some kind of Bible reading champion. And, and you guys kind of look at the reading plan. You'll look at the reading plan and you'll be like, Pastor, you've got to be out of your mind. I do not have time to do this. And I would have time to do this if I got paid to read the Bible like the pastor does, right? <laughs> It's easy for you to do that because you get paid to read Scripture. Listen, I, I live in the same world as all of you. I have the same constraints on my time. I have the same temptations as you. I, have all, I live in the exact same world as all of you. And so I'm not doing this because I'm like some Bible reading pro and I'm like, i got to get the church on board with where I'm at. It's more like let's all learn together about the priority of God's word in our life. And let's all have that priority raised up to where it should be uh, and allow God to speak to us in really profound ways as a result of that. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, we're, we're doing it um, uh, together, and uh, I'm certainly not perfect at it. And, and here's why I think this is really going to be a big hit in, in, uh, in this church. Um, by the fact that you guys are here, demonstrates to me that you, are, you have a desire to know the ways of God. You have a desire to be familiar with God. You have a desire at least to explore this thing called faith. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God or where you're at in your faith journey, but the fact that you're here tells me there's at least some sort of interest, right? And so I would encourage us as, that we, as we move towards and wanting to learn the ways of God and learn uh, not only know about God, but really know God, I would encourage us to participate in this New Through 30. It is going to be so powerful as we do it together. If you are already on a Bible reading plan, this is the word of the Lord to you. Uh, drop it and do New Through 30. <laughs> right? Uh, we really want you to participate in this uh, overall. If you are on a read a Bible through the year plan, this is going to put you way ahead, right? Way ahead, okay? So you can do it, and uh, we're, we're going to do it together, and it's going to be awesome. Now, what I'm going to be doing then over the course of the next five weeks is I'm going to be preaching through the New Testament, which is really, really fun. Now, the, the New Testament, you may have noticed, is, uh, is there's a lot of themes that we could do there, but it's really all about Jesus, isn't it, right? The New Testament, the Scripture, it is about Jesus. So to give me a framework of how to preach through the New Testament, uh, I'm I'm going to preach on Jesus. How does that sound for the next five weeks? And, and our theme is Jesus is. Jesus is. And so every week, Jesus is going to be something different. And we're going to look. See, some of you are catching on. You know that's bad theology. What we're going to look at is these different aspects of who Jesus is each and every week. And today, uh, to start us off, I want to look at the truth that Jesus is sufficient to meet your need. Jesus is sufficient to meet your needs. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read um, a couple of sections. Uh, I want to start with verse 25, and, and then we may, we may back up a little bit and uh, read some previous verses. But I want to read um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 20, 25. Uh, by the way, this week in your Bible reading plan, uh, you will read all of Matthew and all of Acts. Um, 
So that's where, that's where you're headed uh, this week in your Bible reading plan. So let's look at Matthew uh, together. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 25 uh, through the end of the chapter to start, and then we'll see where we go from there. It says this, this is Jesus speaking on a section, or in a section of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. So this is uh, Jesus speaking here, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field... They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Um, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, before we jump into what this passage means and and how this passage can really speak into our lives, I think it's important to clarify what this passage does not mean. A lot of times this passage is taken um, as, as a sort of license um, to, to be lazy and then to not plan ahead. Um, and, and unfortunately, there are some uh, Christians who would, who would say uh, that in an effort to, to really be in tune with the Holy Spirit of God and, and how he's moving in my life from moment to moment, that I don't need to plan. I don't need to, to uh, look ahead. And I can, in fact, be, be lazy because uh, this scripture tells me that the, the, these things, they don't labor and they don't spin or do any of these things. And so I'm just, I'm going to sit. Uh, a great example of this is, Lord, give me a job while I play Xbox. Right? Um, you know, while I'm watching the Blu-rays that I got for Christmas, Lord, please give me a job, rather than filling out those applications and hitting the streets and going to find a job um, and, and really asking God to lead you in that process, right? Uh, and, and so there's, there's, this, there's this sort of license that is taken in this passage that I don't think is, is at all what this passage is talking about in terms of just being lazy uh, and, and not planning ahead because there are lots of other scriptures that talk to us about the value of planning ahead. Um, so it's not talking about that. But what we have to do is, in order to understand what this passage really is talking about, we have to to look, and the the very first word of the passage gives us a really good hint. It says, therefore. Now, anytime you see the word therefore in your Bibles, you should circle it, underline, underline it, do whatever you want, highlight it. Whatever you've got going on in your Bible, you should do that to every therefore in Scripture. Because the word therefore is a hinge that connects this passage and this truth to the, pa- to the passage and truth that was just previous to it. And so there's, he's going along, there's this 
there's this information, this truth that is being shared, and then there's this hinge that connects them. Therefore, which is also a way of saying in light of. Now, one of the most famous therefores in Scripture is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, for this is your holy and pleasing act of worship to God. Now, the therefore is in light of all the theology and truth that has been shared in Romans up to chapter 12, this is to be our response, right? I mean, it's not that the Romans chapter 12, verse 1 just kind of hangs in a vacuum, but rather Paul is saying, let me give you the, the, the action, the response of what we should do in light of all of this. Does that make sense? Therefore, he says, do not worry about your life. Now, when I, um, when I read this passage, there's this sense in which, um, I, I don't know, I, I try to be really honest when I read scripture. And when I read, therefore, do not worry about your life. Um, if I could just be totally honest with you, I kind of had this thought like, Jesus is just a little bit out of touch here, right? Or at least they live in a totally different world, right? They didn't have cell phone bills that they had to worry about. They didn't have uh, car loans and home mortgages and all these things, right? It seems like our lives have become a lot more complicated so that when we come across the words of Jesus, do not worry about your life, you kind of step back and you're like, Psh, I work out, or Psh, yeah, right, you know? You're just kind of like, what, what's going on here? Well, I think if we understand the context uh, that Jesus is speaking into a world very similar to our own. Now, maybe it's, it's quite different in terms of the things that there are to worry about, but the human emotion of worry is still there, and we're going to learn about that. Um, but therefore, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, the connecting it to the passage that was just before it. So we've got to look at this passage that was just before it, the verse just previous to the therefore says this no one can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money therefore do not worry about your life about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear right the passage previous to this because of the hinge frames how we can begin to understand this passage that we're looking at today. And so I actually want to read uh, the, the verses leading up to this. I want to read verses 19 through 24, 19 through 24 in Matthew chapter 6. It says this. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good and your whole body is full of, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so the context of this passage um, is, is immediately talking about 
our finances, right? And we've just come out of a two-week series where we've, where we've wrestled with our finances. And so I want to I allow this New Testament teaching to just provide a hinge or a transition as we look at the rest of the, of the New Testament. But when, when Jesus comes to the Sermon on the Mount and he's teaching his disciples and the other listeners that are there, and he says, do not worry about your life. It is primarily a financial teaching because just previous to that, the hinge is, is this idea about storing up treasures on earth versus storing up treasures on heaven and serving two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And so I, I want to explore this idea of treasures just a little bit. Um, and, and we have to understand this idea of heaven and earth. What does Jesus mean when he talks about storing up treasures in heaven and versus storing up treasures on earth? You'll remember that last fall we talked about earth as being man's realm, the realm of evil, right? And, and then heaven not being some, some city up in the sky, but rather God's realm that exists here on earth that this that that we call the kingdom of god the scripture the new testament as we read through it you will see the theme of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god come up over and over and over again and as you come across that i encourage you not to think about a city in the sky but think about god's will being done on earth as it is in heaven God's will being done in man's realm as it is in his realm. Does that make sense? And so when we talk about where exactly are we storing up treasures, Jesus says, do not store up treasures on earth in man's realm, in the evil realm, where where they are subject to theft and destruction and decay, but rather you should store up treasures for yourself in heaven or God's realm or storing up treasures for the kingdom of God. Now, again, the picture that many of us have when we, when we think about storing up treasures in heaven is that every time I compliment my girlfriend, I get a brick on my mansion in heaven, right? <laughs> and so if the bigger I want my mansion to be up in heaven, the more I'm going to compliment my girlfriend or sweep the, the, the snow off of my neighbor's walk. Does that make sense? Because I'm just building my mansion brick by brick. And I, w- I would argue that that's not at all what this is talking about. It's rather talking about making intentional investments in the kingdom of God right here, right now, where we live, this dirt. So we don't store up for ourselves treasures on earth or what would be considered a a treasure according to our cultural realm, but rather we store up treasures for ourselves according to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is giving us that this, this very real application of how we are to go about and frame our financial lives. Now, we have to pay utilities, right? And every time I pay utility, uh, I'm like, this is storing up treasures in the evil realm, right? But we got to do it. So he's not saying that you should escape from the real world. But he's rather saying here is how we engage ourselves in this life and in this world financially. We don't, primarily, we don't store up for ourselves treasures according to the evil realm. But rather we store up for our treasures according to the realm of God or the kingdom of God. You with me? Okay, so he's given us this, this framework by which we are to operate on our financial lives. Uh, so that's primarily what's happening. Now, I want you to kind of consider with me this, this teaching in light of the disciples' lives. The disciples, before they were called of Jesus, lived very simple lives, right? Uh, a lot of them were fishermen, and they, they, none of them were wealthy folks. And yet, this teaching of not storing up earthly treasures is still for those who do not make a lot of money. 
Because as someone who does not make a lot of money, and many of you can say, amen, um, that's me, right? The temptation is still for you to idolize and put in the place of God in your life the things that you feel might bring you the most security in this life, the treasures on earth. Does that make sense? And so the disciples are facing this very same temptation as those who are poor, they're trying to get more. And I didn't plan that rhyme until just now, but I really like it. Those who are poor are trying and more and more to get more. Right? And so Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Regardless of your financial situation, do not try and store up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but rather store up for yourselves treasures on heaven. Because, and this is the difference he makes, is that the treasures on earth are subject to decay and theft, but those investments in the kingdom of God cannot and will not be stolen, and they cannot and will not decay. They are everlasting. They are ongoing when we invest in the kingdom of God. And so when we, when we, there's, there's, this, there's this truth, this sense, this reality that every investment we make in the good and godly world that is to come in the restoration of all things, none of those things will be wasted in God's new world. For everything is ongoing. Those are eternal gifts and eternal investments. And so regardless of your financial situation, the, the point is to store up for yourselves treasures in the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of times, when we come across kind of financial teachings in the Bible, uh, we relegate them to the rich. And, and a lot of us would never call ourselves rich, even though by world standards we are phenomenally rich. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of times we would put ourselves... Uh, not in the rich category, and we, we say, this passage about uh, not placing our hope in the things that we own and instead placing our hope in, in, the, in the providential care of God, that's for the rich. And I'm not rich, right? Have you ever done that? Have you ever come across a financial teaching in the Bible and then relegated it to your friends that are richer than you or you perceive to be richer than you? Um, they're not, by the way. They may have more stuff. That probably just means they're in more debt. Um, so they're, they're probably not richer than you, even though that's what you perceive. But here's the idea. A lot of times we'll, we'll say, uh, we'll think in our minds, you know, that's, that's for those rich people. Um, and, and so we, we, would kinda, we would have this invisible conversation with our, our rich neighbor. And we would say, you know that whole thing about, about um, you know, giving things to the poor. I just want to let you know today that I'm poor. <laughs> you guys ever done that, right? Like this, this, this teaching is for the rich. And if you ever need an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody, I'm open and I'm available. I will clear my calendar, right? And so while we put ourselves in the poor seat when we're actually rich, we're also seeking to gain more by trying to be a blessing or receive a blessing, right? Does that make sense? Uh, and so this is a lot of times what is happening is we relegate this to the, to the rich in our lives. We relegate any financial teaching. Oh, that is for them. Uh, but here's, here's the kicker about this teaching is that it is for the rich or the poor. Because what Jesus says is where your treasure will be, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. And so Jesus says this, is, this actually is not, this doesn't have anything to do with your income, it actually has to do with a matter of your heart. 
So regardless of whether you consider yourself to be rich and are actually rich, or whether you consider yourself to be poor and are actually poor, the message remains the same. Store up for yourselves treasures, not on earth, but in heaven. Because those investments in the kingdom of God are eternal and will not go away. It's powerful, powerful teaching that Jesus gives us. And so what, oftentimes what we have is, is we have this, this world of, of, of um, misperception of where we actually land in our economic status. And so we see ourselves as poor and we seek trying to get more. At the same time, we're very rich. And so we, we try to hold on to what we have. And so while the rich hold on uh, desperately to what they have and the poor try to get more and more, this inevitably leads to a life of worry. Do you see the connection, the hinge, the therefore? And so Jesus speaks profoundly into his culture and through the providence of God speaks profoundly to our culture that has so wrapped ourselves up in, in this idea of being rich and, or being poor according to our incomes and seeking so desperately to protect that which we have and safeguard that which we have and yet seeing ourselves as poor so we try to, uh, to accumulate more and more so that we can have security but we'll have to protect that with safeguards. It is a vicious vicious cycle that happens in our culture. And so Jesus talks about where our treasure should be. And then he says, and, where, and, and who is really our master? And then he connects that and says, therefore, do not worry about what you will eat or about what you will drink or about what you will wear. These are necessities in our life. He says these, these things that are necessary for you to live and for you to operate in the world. Do not worry about those things. For as you pursue the kingdom of God, I will provide those things. It's a powerful, powerful teaching that Jesus gives us. Um, and so there, there seems to be this reality, these two things. That first of all, Jesus says, where your treasure is reveals your heart. Um, if if you really want to know where your heart is, a great exercise is this afternoon, go and look at your most recent bank statement. Um, many of you do that, are savvy. You do that online or on your phone or whatever. You know, some of you are still getting hard copies, right? Just whatever it is, go and look at your bank statement and say, where is my heart really? Do I find myself storing up treasures on earth that are subject to decay and destroy? And destruction, or do I find myself storing up treasures and investing in the kingdom of God? It's a great exercise to do. So, first of all, he says it's a matter of the heart. And then, secondly, this kind of lifestyle inevitably leads to worry. And so, in the midst of this kind of culture and in the midst of this kind of lifestyle, the way of Jesus and the words of Jesus calls us do not worry about your life, your clothes, your eating, your drinking. And then he gives this, this illustration from nature. And he says, look how I have cared and fed for the birds. And look at how, how beautifully I have dressed the lilies. Right? In other words, he's calling us out of a life of worry. And he's giving us this perspective of the grand providential care of God. And he says, 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures and do not put your trust in these things which can in a moment be gone, but rather look at all the ways that the providential care of God takes care of our world. There's this sense in which he says the world can go on without you and your job. This is a great Sabbath teaching, by the way. Because oftentimes what keeps us from Sabbath is, is a too, we too highly perceive our value. And we say that this, this, comp, this company or whatever cannot, can go, cannot go on without me. And the providential care of God in the Sabbath teaching says the world will survive when you take a break. And so many of us cannot believe that. So we run ourselves to the ground and don't take a break. Now, if I'm not careful, I'm going to start preaching on Sabbath, right? So I got to be careful. But essentially, he says, do not worry about these things. And instead, there is a trust that we can place in the providential care of God. For look how he so beautifully feeds the birds and has, has so wonderfully dressed the lily in all of its splendor. And so, as the passage comes to an end, he gives us this alternative to worry. Because I think that the listeners to Jesus and his disciples, when Jesus said, therefore, don't worry about your life, I think, I think their reaction probably might have been a lot like mine and maybe a reaction that you had, where they were like, this dude, this dude is out of touch. This dude does not live in the same world I live. Right? And so Jesus finishes his teaching by giving an alternative to the worry-filled lifestyle of trying to protect that which, what we ha- which we have and trying to accumulate even more. And the alternative is, seek first the kingdom of God and pursue His righteousness. It's a very profound teaching from Jesus of where our trust should lie. And where our pursuit should be. Now, sometimes this is misunderstood as being a a chronological statement. That if I seek first the kingdom of God, then I can seek second all of these things that I'm not to worry about, right? I've never read it that way until I was doing some research uh, this week. And and I came across that. and, And I thought, wow, what a profound misunderstanding of saying, if you, it's just as long as you do this first, then you can seek all of these kinds of material gains. Um, and, and now, but Jesus, he doesn't say this is a chronology. He, he, he just says that your pursuit, you ought to seek first in your life. Not to gain more or to protect that which you, which, which you have, but rather to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, now, he's not telling us to, to try to escape or avoid uh, the real world in which you and I live. That's not the teaching either. It's rather framing how we are to live in this world. It's rather giving a perspective by which we're to operate in this world and particularly operate our financial lives in this world. And so you and I, we still got to pay utility bills. And in this world, we still got to pay our cell phone bills. It's not talking about that. He's saying, how can we, with every dollar, lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? How can we, with every dollar, have the kingdom of God in mind? First, 
How can we pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And then sit back and free ourselves from the worry as we place our trust in the providential care of God. The reason so many of you have a difficult time with worry in your life, particularly your financial life, is because you have not overcome the barrier that everything that you have is a gift from God and is simply yours to manage well according to the kingdom of God. But for as long as we have this viewpoint that says, this is my money and I'm giving my money back to God grudgingly, uh, then we will never capture this worry-free life. And again, we can plan ahead. We can strategize. We can do all these things. Planning ahead is not synonymous with worry. And so it's rather providing this sort of a framework. And so the alternative he gives is to seek first the kingdom of God and pursue his righteousness. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful teaching that Jesus gives uh, in his culture and in our own. So, as we trust in the providential care of God, the message I want you to hear today is that Jesus is sufficient to meet your need. And for some of you today, that is a financial need. And you are just struggling, and you don't have any idea how the, we're going to make ends meet at the end of the month. I would want to say to you today, seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. And Jesus is sufficient to meet your need. And many of you could stand up today and you could testify to that fact. And you could tell story after story after story of how Jesus met your need when you were in a time of dire need. But your need may not be financial today. You may have a relational need. You may have a a need of some other nature. But I want to say to you today that whatever the need is, Jesus is sufficient to meet that need. There is no need that Jesus cannot meet. There is no challenge that he cannot overcome. There is no, no, no mountain in your life that he cannot climb as you walk with him and as you pursue his righteousness and as you seek his kingdom. Jesus this today is sufficient to meet your need. And maybe all that financial stuff, you just maybe you don't even agree with it or you're not interested and you want to throw all that out, then I, I still have a message for you today. And that is Jesus is sufficient to meet your need. I want you to move forward in your life in faith and in confidence that you serve a God and you serve a king who, has, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which is an Old Testament way of saying he owns it all. And he's got it under control. And his providential care is watching over you as you walk in obedience to him and as you seek his kingdom. Whatever your need today is, he is sufficient to meet that need. Now, there's a flip side of this. Some of you in this, this room and in this sanctuary are incredibly blessed. And I'll put myself in that camp. Incredibly blessed by God. And God has given you much to, he has entrusted you much uh, to, to manage well according to his kingdom. If you find yourself not with any kind of dire need in your life, you have a great family, you have, your finances are well under control, and, and you have some needs. All of us are not without need. 
But the reality is that God has called his church to help meet some of those needs. And so if you see you find yourself there this morning and you're like, I don't really have a, a need that is consuming me or, or really that I'm praying about being mad and all those kinds of things, maybe God is calling you to help meet a need. That's what the role of the church is, is that God can meet their need through you. Sometimes we expect God to, to work by uh, dropping a check out of the sky or some of you dropping a wife out of the sky. I don't know what your need is, right? But you expect that, that, that God is just going to providentially send lightning that has a wife in it and it's going to land right next to you on a love seat. Oh, right? <laughs> and God doesn't work that way. A lot of times, through the mystery of God, God chooses to work through his church. And so if you find yourself incredibly blessed, it is your role to, to, to discern and discover how can I be a blessing and how can I help meet that need and how can God work through me to meet someone else's need. Because Jesus is sufficient to meet your need. And we are his body. And we are his body. I want to, um, I just want to say a prayer um, and then we'll respond to God and then uh, right at the end of our service I'll, I'll give you the, the nuts and bolts of, of New Through 30 and how we're going to go about uh, reading the New Testament uh, through in 30 days as we go through not this series but this experience. All right, I'm going to set a rule. We can't say, hey, that series, New Through 30, we got to say, hey, that experience, New Through 30, right? Are we on board? I'm not going to call you out, but uh, I, I definitely think it is more than a series. It's an experience. Uh, so let me pray for us as we close our service today. God, we are, are so thankful for your presence with us, and um, we're thankful for your word uh, that teaches us um, how to go about our lives. Uh, God, we find so much in your word um, about how we are to act in relationship with one another, in relationship with you, um, in relationship to economics and finances. Uh, God, your word is comprehensive. And I pray, God, that you would help us to um, formulate a faith that is comprehensive as well. Uh, so, God, as we move forward in this series and this experience, and um, as we move forward into this week, uh, I pray for your anointing, for your blessing. I pray, God, for your presence to be with us. Many people this week will experience great joys and will have a phenomenal week of experiencing your presence and your blessing in their lives. And others, Lord, this week will walk into uh, one of the most profound challenges of their lives. Maybe it will come in the form of, of something that happens to them or, or news that they get regarding a loved one. I don't know what it is, but God, life can send us all kinds of, of surprises. But God, in the midst of this, this life that is unexpected, we find that there is a constant truth and it is you. Your presence with us, 
your word that is powerful to form us and shape us. And we profess today, God, that whatever the need is, you are sufficient to meet it. And so my prayer, God, is that this week you would meet a number of needs, that you would show yourself in in powerful ways in our life. And I also pray, God, that we would have the discernment to see you at work, uh, that we wouldn't that we wouldn't turn a blind eye to how you're trying to speak to us or to work in our lives, but that we would uh, be open and discerning to you. And God, I pray that as we walk through the New Testament over the next month, um, that we would find hope, that we would find direction, that we would find peace, that we would find contentment, that we would discover your love all over again, Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would speak to us as we read your word. I pray that our times of of reading your word would bear much fruit in our lives as we learn to prioritize your word. So God, be with us and bless us, we pray, as we walk through this reading plan. We ask all these things in the powerful and risen name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to spend a few moments in response to God together. Uh, These few moments are are given um, so that we have time to just hear the voice of God after uh, hearing the message. Many times as we uh, live in a hurried culture and go off to our other responsibilities, we forget how God has spoken to us or how he has challenged us by the time that we're eating lunch. And so we provide just these few moments for you, for you uh, to allow God's word and God's challenge and conviction in your life to really sink in and respond to that. So the next few moments are yours. We're gonna, the band is going to sing. You can stand and sing if, with them if you'd like. You can sit and pray. The altars are always open for you. Um, we're also going to have the elements of communion available if you'd like to respond to God in that way. You're welcome to do so. Uh, for this is the body of Christ that has been broken for you. And the blood of Christ that has been shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. So let's spend some time in response to God together.